0: Hey everybody! Thanks for joining us for another episode of Deserts to Mountain Tops. I am join. I am what's my name? My name is Jess cannon I am the founder mm-hmm. of Soulseek Press, and which is a boutique independent publishing company for women who've been through something, now they know something, and they want to teach us something. And I am joined here today by one of our contributing authors, Viviana, who um has just brilliantly accepted herself and written a gorgeous chapter that I'm so, so excited for her to share with you today. uh, Her deserts to mountaintops uh, journey and then a little bit about the writing process. Vivianas, welcome.
1: Thank you so much. It's nice to be talking to you again after everything that we've been doing with the book. Um, When it comes to my chapter, just to give a quick summary, um, the title, summarizes a lot of what it's about, um, culture, church, and council. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: in the chapter, I basically talk about the aspects of culture when it comes to not just being Black, but growing up in Southern culture and Southern church culture, what that looks like Mm -hmm. when you're somebody who has made the decision that you do not want children. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and that is something that's, it's odd um, because in the South, getting married early, having children is something that is normal. Um, it's from so It's
0: so interesting to me, right? Because I'm like quite a bit older than you. And mm-hmm. granted, I come from a different, part of the country and but I grew up in church and you know obviously I'm not black but I was like when we met and you like explained the premise of the chapter that you wanted to write I was just kind of blown away because I I didn't know I guess that like that was still an expectation for so many women yeah it's
1: like for me and and I read like in reading your chapter, and it's funny you mentioned your chapter, in reading your chapter, some of the things, even though it said you grew up in like the Midwest and Ohio, some of the things you mentioned as far as um, some of that farm farm life and things yeah. like that, growing yeah. up on a farm, I could relate to that. Uh-huh. Um, and then also you mentioned the aspect of church and religion. Yeah. So some of the things that you were talking about, um, I could also relate to. But yeah, for me, um, I guess I because I grew up in a, a situation where my family was like helping to take care of other people's children, um, and and knowing that in our religion is a thing where you're expected to get married, and when you get married, you know that's the person you're supposed to stay with, you know, until death do you part. <laughs> for me, <Wow>. I noticed, <laughs> I noticed early on that that seemed to be the common structure of family and in some a lot of situations that was like great but then in some situations it's like maybe not so great or it might not come off as being like perfect or happy all the time mm-hmm. um there were variations of that but in no variation <laughs> did I ever see a situation where I would personally want children as a continuous, um, you know, thing that I would, you know, basically be dedicating mm-hmm. myself to like continuous because it's a lot of responsibility. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I feel like a lot
0: of people, and a lot of work.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like a lot of people, because of that, um, because of the expectation to have children is, is like so heavy in Southern culture. And I feel like in our church's culture, I feel like a lot of people don't really, especially women, they don't really have the time to really think about, like, is this what I want? Because it's like, of course it's like, you want. yeah, it's like you, everybody wants that. Um, and even like historically, I talk about this with my cousin going back to the days of kings and queens, it's mm-hmm. been something that that was your purpose yeah. as a woman mm-hmm. <laughs> was to have children. And if you couldn't, it could li- literally be a life or depth situation for you yeah. so you better make that happen
0: <laughs> well and here's the thing that i'm wondering that i'm sure any listener is going to be wondering like what happens in that culture when you can't when it's not in the cards for you
1: yeah and see that's that's something that i've been like i've talked about with um like i'm in child-free groups and things like that and we've all had experiences personally or we've heard of uh different experiences where A person for whatever reason, like they can't have children. It's like a biological Mm -hmm. thing or infertility thing. And somebody who read my chapter actually, like they sent me back a um, feedback about how they've had the personal experience. They say, I want children but they say, you know, not right now. Mm-hmm. And there's a situation where they're like, well, you know, people are saying, well, you're not going to get any younger. Like when mm-hmm. when are you going to give like some grandchildren? And it's like, one of the things we were talking about is like, well, you know, everybody biologically can't have children sometimes. Yeah. And you'll have these people m- mention it. And then it's like, it's an awkward situation for the woman that she has mm-hmm. to explain well, it's painful. or be amb- Yeah, because it's like, there's people who've had miscarriages and they've had them more than once and they've had them over and over and they want children, but they can't. And then when you bring those, that topic up in a public setting, Mm -hmm. it's like what, I I feel like people don't think about what that does to the person. Like when they have to say, oh, well, I've, you know, I've had infertility issues, like something very personal. Right. But now they're having to explain that to everybody.
0: So (laughs) You write about choosing to be childless as a form of self-acceptance. Yeah. So tell us, I mean, you've given us a good foundation on like your origin and and where you come from and why that is so counterculture, but also, you know, like, what does it feel like to then be so public about your choice to remain childless in that context? It feels like
1: it'd be like a constant battle, <laughs> a constant battle that you're not even asking for. Um, meaning that um, when that topic comes up, because it is gonna come up, um, because you're in, like I said, you're in the South. That's like something that people ask you, along with like your career goals and oh, you know, um, what are you doing in school? You know, where are you working now? That's gonna come up. Um, and so with that, it feels like when you mention that, people are like, oh well, you're still young. Mm-hmm. I've been still young since I was seven all the way up to 33. now it's like people keep saying <laughs> that, and I'm like, do I have to be 90 for people to like stop saying that it. yeah, <laughs> yeah, because that's the first thing they say. So it feels like a constant battle with most people um because they, they just can't accept it they can't put their mind around like like why wouldn't you want children like it's the best thing in the world and like it's almost like everybody else is doing it so you should right. too <laughs> that's not what they say but that's the uh feeling you get like it's like just because everybody else does this it doesn't mean that that's like a one-size-fits-all mm-hmm. so it is kind of like a constant battle because In my experience and experiences of others who have made this choice, it's rarely a situation where a person says, oh, okay, I totally understand that. And then just leave it alone. Like wow, rarely ever happens. Um, And like I mentioned in my chapter, my mother and the conversation we had around that was like the the first one where that was a situation where it's like, okay, well, you don't have to, Mm -hmm. but- after that, it just seems like a thing, like it went down here from there, <laughs> meaning that every time someone hears it, it's like, oh, you'll change your mind. You just haven't met the right man yet, you know, yeah. stuff like that. But it's yeah. like, it hasn't changed.
0: No. And it won't change. And it won't change. Right. <laughs> right. So let's talk a little bit, then pivot a little bit to the writing process and what that has been like for you.
1: So the writing process, I remember when I first heard that I would be a part of this project, um, the the first draft was super, I feel like it was easy to write because that quote that my mother has been saying to us ever since we were little, me and my cousins never put in writing what you don't want the whole world to see. I was like, that has to be my hook because that is literally, it encapsulated. like it encompasses like everything I feel like you're scared to do when it comes to a topic (laughs) like this um so yeah that was like I knew that would be like at the top um but the, the writing process was easy in the sense of like it kind of flowed but it's almost like when I got the found out I got the opportunity, it was a sense of panic mm-hmm. <laughs> at first, like anxiety, like there were all these different thoughts. I was super excited, but then I thought about, ooh, who's gonna read this? And yeah, I mean, like, that's
0: always you know. the process. Like that's the progression. <laughs> you you write, you write, you write, you write. I read it, you know. Right. And- ilsa reads it the our copy editor then our proofreader reads it and then your peer review reads it and then all of a sudden you're like oh no
1: the whole world is gonna read this (laughs) yeah and i remember talking to somebody at the launch about like that was uh, i was so glad that i was not the only one who felt like that but they're like talking about that same shared experience of like, ooh, who's going to read? It's exciting, but who's going to read it? And for me, my who's going to read it is, um, you know, people, they know that writing has been a dream of mine. They know that I write um, frequently. Um, And people are always asking like, you know, what what are you working on as far as writing? But I wanted to make sure that my chapter wasn't a thing of like making people feel like, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm just kicking on people or, oh, I'm just doing this yeah. to like, uh, you know, hurt somebody's feelings because that wasn't my goal. But I, I knew that in order to write truthfully and authentically, some people would not accept it. And I had to be fine with that. <laughs> yeah. I had to like, you know, get over myself. And my, I, my cousin, she basically told me that she was like, you know, if they don't like it, you know so what is what you feel you if you don't write what you feel it's like what's the point it's not authentic so between her and you know talking to somebody who you know she writes as well we have like the same major um and some some things as far as the psychological aspects of it she really understands it so being able to talk to her that helped me to (laughs) get over myself just write, mm-hmm. like just, you know, write and then kind of let the words flow. So the first draft was um, easy after that. Mm-hmm. And then after like having your comments, it really helped me to uh, show don't tell. <laughs> yes, I always say put
0: that on my tombstone. <laughs> show me, don't tell me. Right.
1: Yeah, it really helped me to, I love the fact that in writing this um because with my background being like academic, I've written fiction. Like that's my, as a writer, that's my personal favorite genre is fiction, where you can create your own worlds. And then academically, like with research, it's like, you know, cite your sources and stuff that I tell my students. But writing a memoir was a different um, playing field than I had been used to. So I like the fact that I was able to get that experience of of knowing like that I need to change the, some of my, my speech and the vernacular of it. Like I remember one part where you said, um, this sounds too technical Mm -hmm. in there. Like that was one of my notes. So it really helped me being able to see those notes and then kind of, you know, wrap my mind around, like, what do I need to do to change it? Um, you say, give an example of this. So that whole section about the woman, um, and saying something about oh my son does this and he yeah. does this that whole section trying to fix you up <laughs> yeah trying to yeah and then uh, it's like oh he wants a lot of grand but I want a lot of grandbabies like so that whole section <laughs> came from you saying give an example from this I was like okay yeah. <laughs> I have an example yeah. so yeah the writing process was uh, a different playing field as far as like the second draft and then the last draft. Figuring out like what to leave out, uh, what parts were the most important, um, what parts uh, need more, like what parts will be basically the takeaways. Mm-hmm. Because I remember early on, you said when you get down to the bottom, yeah. what takeaways do you want to have? So I had an idea of that. But yeah, that last, I feel like the last <laughs> draft was probably mm-hmm. like the hardest of figuring out what to yeah. eliminate. Yeah. And um, something I remember, and I told one of the other writers that you mentioned is, um, you have that for another story. <laughs> so I yeah. like uh, yeah. the idea. Yeah, not everything
0: like- goes into this one part. You know, that's the thing about memoir. Two things that you've said, like the first thing is it's just a slice, you know, right. and the and writing a chapter is just a slice of a slice. So it's not <laughs> everything. Right. And the second thing is that when you want to write really good memoir. Which we all hope to. You have to write as if no one's going to read it first,
1: right? Yeah, <laughs> right.
0: Empty it all out as if you're the only one who's ever going to read this, and then go right. over it and refine it and refine it. And yeah, you in particular, there were there was a whole lot of back and forth towards that last that last draft with yes. um, the copy editor too, because the, you were very. Um, <sighs> Like very attached, I think to how a, a, some things needed to be stated for accuracy, and we always mm-hmm. try to do that as memoir writers for sure. Um, so I I appreciate that about you and your attention to detail because that helps us, you know, um, to make yeah. sure that we're presenting the best possible uh creation. Um, but right. yeah, yeah, and you stuck to your guns for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like i wanted i was like oh i don't want to be the difficult no 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 no, right. no you, gotta, you gotta get it right and that's like that's the attitude we always take is like we'll get it right like we'll just keep going back to the drawing board until we get it right like that's just how this is sometimes so
1: yeah and i i knew like who like i knew like my college professors would be reading this my students would be really reading, reading this um you know some people of course, in my church would be reading this. So I just wanted, and I know that I talked about it in my chapter, like the importance of language. Mm-hmm. So um, something that you mentioned that I love is the fact that you 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 said in the editing process, we want to make sure that it captures your voice mm-hmm. and that it sounds like you. And um, after I had somebody send me a voice text and they said, Viviana, they they said, I am laughing like so hard right now. They said, I, she said, I don't know how to explain it. She said, but it's almost like I could hear your voice.
0: (laughs) That is the highest compliment (laughs) after somebody reads something you've written. She made me feel so special. She's like,
1: I can hear your voice saying these words. She said, Mm -hmm. and I am laughing like so hard. She said, that's so Viviana. (laughs) So when she said, I said, I am so happy to hear that because that was like one of my goals is making sure that it's, you know, reads like I talk. Yeah. Um, you know, those stories and things like that would, you know, would sound like I'm talking to somebody in yeah. person in real time. Yeah. So, yeah, I um, think the feedback on the chapter, like as, as nervous as you could be, the feedback on the chapter has been like really like a breath of fresh air mm. when it comes to people being able to read the finished work. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been awesome.
0: <laughs> Good. I love that. I'm so happy. I'm so happy to hear that. Um. So what's next for you? So um, since
1: I've been back, I've really, well, actually before (laughs) I even left, because I wanted to make sure that after the book launch, I kept things going as far as writing and as far as being, um, making sure to make time in between work and everything else, because I feel like a lot of times we can get busy yep, and we can kind of, stuff can come up that we don't, you know, isn't out of our hands, but I wanted to make sure I was purposeful, intentional, at continuing to write, to promote the book. So I'm doing a local book launch in my home state of Mississippi in the capital of Jackson. And my, my goal for this year is to go around like the whole state of Mississippi and do book launches. I told my mother, it's going to be like a mini book tour.
0: I love it. (laughs) So
1: So that's what I'm, Yeah, that's what I'm wanting to do because um, not just my story, like I feel like my story is important because, um, you know, in our culture, if there are child-free people when it comes to be living in the South, when it comes to, uh, you know, attending different churches, it's almost like whatever church you're in, that is an expectation. And it's also a Southern expectation that, you know, This is how the trajectory of your life is supposed to be. Um, And I want people to know that just because you, it is an expectation, you don't have to do that. Because as I mentioned, I feel like a lot of people, they don't really think about the fact that they have a choice and that they don't have to, you know, do like they can be different and they can, you know, have a situation where they put their goals like as paramount um so that's what i want to do i feel like it's important for me to be able to spread the message of my chapter but also the other chapters like there's so many different topics that i feel like women need to know about and so many stories i feel like they need to um read in order for them to like reach like their own level of radical self acceptance whatever that looks like for them mm-hmm. so i'm hoping that i'll be able to help spread that goal, um, <laughs> for different women. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm going to be going down to like the Gulf coast, um, Mississippi, Gulf coast mm-hmm. and different bookstores, uh, poetry events, workshops, like, um, I have a whole
0: vision board. Um, yeah. so
1: and I, know gonna it. It. I know you're yeah.
0: going
1: to do it. I know. Yeah.
0: Okay. So if anybody is listening to this and they're in Mississippi or not, How do they connect with you?
1: So I'm on Instagram and Facebook as Viviana Brown, V-I-V-I-A-U-N-A is my um, handle. And you'll be able to see my last name when you look me up. And then also I have a blog, um, (laughs) Virtuoso's blog. So on Instagram is V-S-D on I-G. Um, so yeah, I'll be putting updates mainly on my personal page. I'm gonna start blogging, like doing reels and things on my my uh my uh, business page retro Souls blog that will have snippets from some of these book tours as well um along with like interviews and stuff because I plan to start doing that more, getting into interviewing. That was something I did heavily (laughs) before Uh going off to college. So I'm wanting to get back into that uh, soon as well in between. So
0: So So like, uh, is there a podcast in your future or?
1: (laughs) I've had, especially during, like, I've had a lot of people to say, you should do a podcast. Even my mother, like, she's like, you should do a podcast. So that's, that is the next step. Actually in the book launch talking to some of the other writers who already have a podcast, mm-hmm. I was able to get like some more ideas and they're like, we should eat like collaborations. Yeah. They're like, we should collaborate. I want to have you on my page. Like we can do uh, different projects together. So I love the fact that already we're thinking about like next steps of collaborating with each other and helping each other to like reach those goals. So I definitely <laughs> wanted to do a podcast. Um, because i feel like uh creatively i want to connect with other creatives what i call virtuosos people who are doing something new um doing something like out of the box so that's my next goal as well
0: love it all right well i can't wait to follow you on this journey and mm-hmm. i just want to say you're a blessing you've been such thank a you so you're a gem and i've enjoyed working with you so much thank you so much for your time and coming on the show
1: thank you so much i appreciate it thank you.